0: Hello, Ola and Kudichi Hi, I'm your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. We are at our second fight card of the week, which of course means our second prelim primer. We've got the upcoming flyweight title shot main eventing this card, and we will be breaking down all of the prelims to that card, so we're not going to get to the main card. Now, for those of you who frequent the show, you already knew that. Those of you who are new to the show, you might be asking yourself, why are we breaking down the prelims? Why are we, we not looking at this main card? And the answer is really simple. The answer is, I think you probably know a lot about these guys in the main card. You probably don't know a lot about the prelim fighters and you're missing out on Daily Fantasy Sports and gambling because you don't know enough about the prelims. So that's why you came here, and I think you made a smart choice. And speaking of smart choices, I would be remiss if I did not mention that this episode is brought to you by AJ's Action Pack Sportsbets.com. You can find him at AJ's Action Pack Sports That link is in the show notes. Unlike all of the other guys who offer gambling advice, AJ is not just a list of fighters that you can put money down on. He gives you the education you need to make thoughtful choices in your gambling plus he does give you all of his plays. so if you are one of those people who just wants to follow along he can be that for you too he does it all but I highly suggest checking out his in-depth breakdowns they get sent right to your inbox when you become a subscriber he's got gambling breakdowns he's got DraftKings breakdowns he gives you all the tips and know-how so that you can make your informed decisions and maximize your profit. And if you don't want to take my word for it, check him out with his extensive record, his past breakdowns, and all of his customer successes at AJ'sActionPackSportsBets.com. Once again, that link's in the show notes, and you can follow him on Twitter at AJ's MMA Betting. You will not be sorry you did. Now. I'm joined by my co-host for this episode. You may frequently see him on this show, and I'm glad to have him back. Joining me today from Fan Sighted MMA in the Fixed Fights podcast with Kurt and Ben, Benjamin Abrigo. Benjamin, thanks so much for joining me, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here as always.
0: All right, guys. And as you know, we start every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Kadis Abrigamov versus Roman Dolides. So, Ibrigimov, 0-2 in the UFC. He recently lost to Ed Herman by decision. Before that, he got guillotined by Daun Jung. Dolody's 6-0, making his long-awaited debut after a whole bunch of cancelled fights and a positive USADA test. He's 6-0 with all finishes, including two heel hooks in there, which is pretty damn exciting. Is there any part of Abrigamov's game here and in his first two performances that give you... Any semblance of confidence against a hot prospect like Dolidis? I
1: mean, I, there's some there's some confidence in in Cadiz here, just based on the fact that he's going to go crazy probably in the first round. Um, and these are these are big guys that are going to be swinging them bungalows. Uh, so so if Roman decides to keep it on the feet for you know longer than what we've seen in his pretty brief career so far, then obviously he's he's in the danger zone. Uh, Ibragimov can can throw heat. Um, we haven't seen i mean we've seen him go a little bonkers in the ufc right in his especially in his ufc debut but um man it's hard for me to imagine a scenario where uh the prospect dolides doesn't just get it to the fight quick get them fight to the mat quickly and and do work quickly on the mat
0: and, and especially given that that's seemingly what like ed herman did to him right and like ed herman god bless him is is a little bit long in the tooth by now he shouldn't be a guy who's rolling over the new guys in the UFC, right? Like, he should be the guy the new guys are rolling over. So, yeah, I think this is a pretty simple one and probably easiest one to call. Who you got and how you got him?
1: I got Roman Dolody's first round. I'm going to say TKO, I you know, maybe submission as well. He obviously has several of those on his record, but I think he gets a dominant position early and, and pounds him out.
0: Yeah, I think that that's probably true, too. You see the big takedown, you see the slam, you see a whole bunch of follow-up strikes, and that will should do it. So I'm going to take first-round knockout as well. And that brings us to a little bit more of a competitive fight, which is Grant Dawson versus Nad Naramani. Grant Dawson, 3-0 in the UFC with wins over Julian Juicy, J, Rosa Mike Trizano, and Derek Minner. The last two of those coming by rear-naked choke. Naramani is coming off the lone loss in his UFC t- career, a TKO to Mike Gundy. Uh, he was two-fight win streak before that. So let's start by talking about Dawson. he's looked really tough so far, but at the same time he hasn't really faced much talent in the striking department right like most of the guys he fought a little bit more on the grappling side or you know like somebody in a Rosa not a huge talent as far as striking goes. are you worried at all about the fact that he hasn't been tested in that department?
1: I think I'm a little worried and i but I do think this is a proper step in in the right direction because nad Naramani I think I think Bills himself is a brawler, and I think that's an accurate way to describe how he approaches things on the feet. Um, But he's also not, you know, he's not the, the crispest, cleanest striker here. So I do think this is a proper test for Grant Dawson. Um, that said, I think it's a test that Grant Dawson passes. I'm not... Super, super high on on Dawson, I think, like a lot of people are. He does have that really pretty record, and he, like you said, undefeated in the UFC so far. Um, but I think this is maybe—and I'm, I'm going to look at the odds right now. I think this is a little bit closer fight than what the odds indicate, in my mind at least, just because Naramani has, has been around the block. He has that win over Patty Pimblet, which you know outside of the UFC is, is worth something still. Um, so I think Naramani can— certainly has the power to hurt grant dawson on the feet but man i gotta go with dawson's just kind of clean grappling takedown game all that good stuff
0: yeah and i kind of agree with you here and not that i'm knocking uh mike grundy here too because i do like him as a prospect as well but mike grundy landed one of the three knockout or one of the three takedowns he shot on nad narmani nad narmani 0 for 1 against him I actually think Grant Dawson probably does a little bit better of working to his MMA takedowns. So like, if we're talking about a pure wrestling match, I'm definitely taking Grundy. But the fact that, you know, like, Dawson sets him up with his hands a little bit better than Grundy does. And Grundy even knocked down Nadnar Amani with his hands, too, and, and eventually finished him with a TKO based on that. So, like, yeah, like, I, I do think you're right. He's He is a better striker than than Dawson's face, but not good enough to make me, like, really worry. Um yeah, so I'm gonna go with Grant Dawson as well. How do you uh how do you see him finishing it?
1: I like, Dawson. I like Dawson by decision here. Naramani is, you know, he's not going to, he's not a super elite prospect or anything, but I think he is a legit uh, UFC caliber fighter here. I don't think he gets finished easily.
0: Yeah, but, and, and the step up in knowing that Dawson probably needs a submission here to finish him, I don't think he's going to TKO him. And, and Naramani, I believe, is a black belt in jiu jitsu as well. Um, I'm not quite sure under who or where, but like, you know, legit jiu jitsu guy as well. So yeah, I'm going to take. Dawson by decision and agree with you on that one as well and that's going to do it for the end of our first round I'm going to take a quick break we're going to talk to our sponsors and we'll be right back round number two. I would like you guys to just listen to what subscribers are saying about AJ's action Pack sports I've been following AJ for several months and he's ultra impressive but honestly his winning selections and return on investment are not even the main reasons he's impressive. His breakdowns and understandings of matchups is what has impressed me the most. It can be hard to separate your emotions and your favorite fighters in this game, but AJ really seems to be able to objectively break down each fight with pinpoint accuracy and not let emotions get in the way. He comes highly recommended in my book, and that quote is from George and I fully agree here with George, and I think you will too, if you check out AJ at AJ's Sportsbets.com. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Joseph yes. Duffy versus Joel Alvarez. Duffy, after taking a year and a half off, returned to get a decision loss to Mark Diacasey. That was last March, a year ago. March, so almost a year and a half off again for Joseph Duffy. Then we got Alvarez, who rebounded from a debut loss to ground and pound out Danilo Bilardo. So he he is coming off of a win, although he's only one and one in the UFC. Duffy is zero one over the last three years. How concerned are you about that fact alone?
1: Very concerned. <laughs> I mean, I think this is a this is a weird fight. Um, I'm not that I necessarily hate it, but. Joe Duffy, at least on paper, should have all the skills in the world and all the experience in the world to kind of run through a guy like Joel Alvarez. No disrespect to him. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, the layoff, the fact that he hasn't won a fight since, what, 2017 is is troublesome. You don't know where exactly he's at. And especially right now, you don't know where he's at. Like, you know, I don't know how much covid has has affected different fighters training camps, but. There's just so many questions about Joe Duffy here, even though on paper this is a fight he should roll through. Man, I don't know how anybody could be confident here.
0: Yeah, it's a a really hard fight to be confident about. And, And you're right about, too, about the training partner situation. The thing that is seemingly affecting fighters the most is that they have less people to spar with, right? And for a guy who's had such a long layoff, that seems to to add more problems, right? Like, if this was a guy who fought in December or something like that, we would be like, okay, so he didn't have sparring partners for a little while or had reduced sparring partners. He doesn't need that many looks. He fought recently. This is a guy who probably needs a bunch of looks, right, because he hasn't fought in so long. Um, but that being said, you know, like, I, I love his grappling game here against Joel. I, I'm not sure that, you know, like you said, his, his skills definitely are good enough to beat Alvarez, but I, I just don't know... Oof, if it's enough for me to pick him who, who do you got and how do you got him
1: i like duffy here i'm trusting his skills even in alvarez's last fight he was losing pretty handily before he he reversed position and, and got a t kind of from a weird like Dagestani handcuffs type position um he doesn't particularly jump off the page he doesn't particularly impress me so even with the layoff i'm going duffy here i think he he submits alvarez in the second round
0: All right, I'm going to take him as well, but I'm going to take him by decision just because I think Alvarez might be able to to hang in there a little bit and and Duffy probably going to come out rusty. So uh, I'm going to take Duffy by decision. And that brings us to maybe the most exciting fight on the prelims, and that's Brett Johns versus Montel Jackson. Brett Johns, after losing to Pedro Munoz and Aljamain Sterling, rebounded by absolutely taking it to Tony Gravely in an exciting fight. And Montel Jackson rebounded from his debut loss to Ricky Simon to beat Brian Keller, Andre Sukumta, and then Felipe Colares, which is a, a nice little run he put together. So I actually want to go back to that fight with uh, Ricky Simon, who is the only person who's been able to beat Jackson. He did it with tons of takedown attempts and some pretty solid grappling, and he hit a lot of those takedown attempts as well. What do you think the odds are that Johns can use that playbook? Why would that be effective, or maybe why wouldn't that be effective?
1: I think that – I think he can find some success there. He's not – you know, Brett Johns is not like an uh, an American wrestler. He's not going to have kind of the same takedown attack that Ricky Simone had. He's more of a judo clinch guy. Uh, but that said, man, I think Johns can get, can get takedowns here and there. He might have trouble holding down Montel Jackson who is huge for the weight class and appears to be a, a fantastic athlete. But man, I was high on Brett Johns coming into the UFC. I was high on him, even when he when he had those losses. I'm still high on Brett Johns. The odds here totally confuse me. We got yeah. Montel, Montel Jackson as a minus two forty five favorite, and I think that's because in this little run, he has looked really good, right? With his takedown game, he's he's his his striking is growing. But dude. Brett Johns is the real deal, I think. He can. He has good boxing. He has really good judo and, and clinch game. I don't think Montel Jackson will be able to put Brett Johns on his butt. Man, I, I think I'm going Brett Johns by the upset here, with the upset.
0: I'm so – this is crazy that you said this because I literally had this circled as odds <laughs> that I thought were freaking incredibly off, right? Like, Montel Jackson, yeah, on a three-fight win streak, you know, Brett Johns, yeah, one and two in his last three – look at the level of competition. How can you, how can you compare Andre Sukumta to Aljamain Sterling, right? Like, you know, blasting Andre Sukumta is not the same as having a competitive fight with Aljamain Sterling. So yeah, I've been high on Johns. I believe in Johns and I don't think you're, you're definitely right. He can't do the Ricky Simon thing to Montel Jackson just because he's not that American wrestler style, but I think he can mix him up enough. and I think he can even catch him in a scramble because his submission skills are, are crazy underrated. He hit that crazy calf crusher against Joe uh, Soto way back when, who's a a black belt in his own right. So, yeah, I'm going to go Brett Johns. I'm going to say Brett Johns submission, too, like a crazy person. Uh, How do you have him (laughs) winning?
1: That's a bold pick. I I like Johns by decision, but I do think you bring up a great point that in the scrambles, on the extended grappling exchanges, I wouldn't be surprised if if you see Johns take his back here and hold it for two and a half minutes, something like that. So I like Johns by decision here.
0: All right, guys, well, we agreed on the first four. We got three more to go in the third round. We will get to those after a quick talk to our sponsors. So, this is just a reminder that this show is brought to you by AJ's Action Pack Sportsbets.com. That link is up in the show notes. You can check him out there. One of the awesome things that AJ does for you is that he sends you not just his picks for the week, but also pros and cons for every single matchup along with his thoughts on DraftKings matchups, which includes things like who might be highly owned and who might be a little bit less owned. And, and that way you can really manipulate how you're going to win this upcoming weekend. And he doesn't stop there. He also provides extensive audio and video information for his clients. He gets ready for the cards by giving you literally all he's got. So make sure that you check out AJ'sActionsPackSportsBets.com and contact AJ. Get in on his picks now. And we are back with round number three. We got three more fights to talk about, and we're going to put five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Malcolm Gordon versus Amir AlBazi, Gordon, 12-3, making his UFC debut, coming off a submission win over tough veteran Yoni Sherbatov. Albazi, 12-1, making his debut. His only loss is to Jose Shorty Torres. He rebounded with a win over Ryan Curtis immediately after that in Brave CF. So we got debuting flyweights. It looks like the UFC is investing in the flyweight division. What can you tell us about either of these two flyweights to get excited about this one? I think
1: they're both pretty offensively minded, and I think fans can appreciate that. Uh, particularly Malcolm Gordon, uh, he is kind of an all-offense all type of guy. His submission attack is something I absolutely love. Uh, but that said, the, the flip side, Albazi is kind of similar. Uh, I think he has a little bit more – I think Albazi has a little bit more skill on the feet. Uh, but if it hits the mat, he's going to be tossing up submissions. He's going to be trying to pass the guard. Um, so I think this is a fun scrap on paper. I don't have a, a really super confident pick here. But I will say what I saw of Malcolm Gordon's ground game, I think is going to give problems here to to Albazi
0: Yeah, I think you're 100% right. What I noticed about this is you're right. Albazi is aggressive when it goes to the floor, but he's often not the person who chooses for it to go to the floor. And and if he's not the person who chooses to go to the floor, it, it requires a either a sweep or a reversal or him to do something proper with, with that take down. I'm not sure he's going to do that against Malcolm Gordon, right? Like in Malcolm Gordon... Offensive minded with the grappling, I think he's probably got a better chance of being the one on top, which puts him in a better situation here. Whether or not that's good enough, I don't know. You're right. I'm not super confident. I'm gonna take Malcolm Gordon. I'll take him by submission. How about you?
1: I was I was hoping I'd get a different pick than you, but I'm gonna go with the same exact thing. I mean, you look at you look up and down this guy's record. Obviously, it's been outside of the UFC, but submission, 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 like. That seems like the cleanest and clearest path to victory for him here.
0: Yeah, and in a, an organization like TKO, 2 which is, is a really good local promotion in Canada. So you got to give him props for that. All right, that brings us to our second fight of this round, which is Davi Ramos versus Arman Sarkurian. Sar- Sar- Jeez, that name always kills me. Uh, <laughs> Ramos had won four in a row, but he recently lost to Islam Makhichev. Uh Sarurkian... Lost in his debut, also Islam Makachev, but then he rebounded with a win over Olivier Aubon-Mercier back in December. So here's the question. Ramos, an absolute wizard on the ground, is there any chance that Arman allows the fight to go there?
1: Honestly, I think so. I think Sarukian's kind of uh, natural instinct is to go for the takedown, or at least when things get hairy on the feet, to fall into the clinch. Um... And I think that's the danger zone. I don't think Hamos really has the, the wrestling to consistently force a ground fight. Uh, but like I said, I think Sarukian, yes, I think he he has good kickboxing. Um, and I'm really high on the guy, especially that his fight with Makachev is some of the best, like, technical wrestling exchanges you're going to see in the UFC ever. Um, that said, man, Davi Hamos is, is an absolute monster on the mat. His back takes are absolutely beautiful. I like him to, to win a couple scrambles here and, and spring the small upset.
0: Nice. And do you see him winning this one by decision?
1: No, I like I like Davi Hamos by um, by submission. Specifically, if I, it, what I envision in my head is a rear naked choke. I just think his grappling is on a totally different level here.
0: I, I think it's going to be an exciting fight either way. I, I definitely agree with you that it, it is on a different level. But I'm going to go with Arman Sarukian just because – I think probably one bad grappling exchange leads him to say, I'm not going to grapple with him anymore. And if Hamos does not capitalize on that one mistake, he's now in a kickboxing match with somebody who I think is a better kickboxer than him. So I'm going to go with Sarukia. I'm going to go with him by decision. Maybe that'll be our one difference. Although we (laughs) do have, oh man, what a great way to end the show. We're going (laughs) to talk about heavyweight action, which as you guys know, is always the most exciting fights. Bottom of the tier heavyweight fighter Sergei Spivak versus Carlos Felipe. Spivak, 1 and 2 in the UFC. He lost to Walt Harris, arm triangle tie to Tuivasa, but then lost to Marcin Tibera. Felipe is 8 0, making his debut. It is a long awaited debut due to both injuries and a two year doping ban that dates all the way back to May 2017, which is the last time he fought. So we get a guy facing a three year layoff and another guy who badly struggled with the grappling of Marcin Tibera, who I mean, just didn't look real great trying to grapple a light heavyweight. Are you more concerned about the layoff? Or are you more concerned about the guy who couldn't fend off the grappling of Marcin Tibera? It's a little bit of both. Um, <laughs> I, I think, so I couldn't find a ton
1: of information or, or fights on Carlos Felipe. What I did see, though, and just looking at his record, he is not a grappler. He has that one, like, boxing fight on his record as well. So that tells me he's going to stand with Spivak. Um, and that tells me he can't attack Spivak's like glaring weakness, which is the grappling. So, again, I said it earlier, but man, these are just big guys that are going to throw them bungalows. And I, I think I go with Spivak here ever so slightly just because he is, or at least was the more hyped prospect.
0: Yeah. And I, I think, too, while I, I'm making fun about him right now, he is one and two with a win over Tai Tuivasa, who, who to me, is probably a better and faster version of Felipe, right? Like, Felipe looks, a, like, probably in roughly the same shape as Tai Tuivasa, which is to say, not great. Um, but at the same time, his hands are slower, right? Like, he, he's a much more plodding guy. He does mix in the odd takedown, but I don't think... You're right. I think he prefers to box and he prefers to throw. So as a result, like, unless he, some for some reason, leans on that, yeah, I think probably Spivak by decision here, is the right thing. And who doesn't, like... Fifteen minutes of heavyweight action. <laughs> so, um, do you uh, do you got a prediction for how it ends? You said Spivak. Do you have uh, decision or finish?
1: No, I'm gonna I'm gonna be hopeful here that they get after it from the jump, and I say Spivak uh, weathers an early like two and a half minute storm and gets the late first round stoppage.
0: All right, guys. Well, that is seven fights in about 15 minutes. So we hope you guys enjoyed and learned a little bit something about this upcoming Saturday's card. You can, of course, watch it on ESPN+. I want to thank my co-host, Benjamin Abrigo from Fansided MMA and the Fixed Fight Podcast with Kurt and Ben. Ben, thanks so much for joining me, man.
1: Thank you.